everybody, this is John Culp in Lafayette, Louisiana, and I am doing a special episode for Hacker Public Radio here. The last couple I've recorded were solos, and the one before that was an interview, and the one before that was an interview. But uh, getting back to the interviews now, and with me is programmer extraordinaire Jezra. Hi everybody, uh, this is Jezra. I'm in Petaluma, California, and I'm talking to Jonathan Culp over Mumble. And it's pretty good. Yeah, it sounds pretty good. We're mumbling, and we're also going to be blathering. What? Yeah. So, uh, Jezra, since you are the lead developer of Blather, why don't you tell everybody what the heck it is? Blather is a Python application that wraps around... Uh, let's see. Python's a Blather application that uses GStreamer to wrap around Pocket Sphinx, which is a speech recognition engine created, I believe, by Carnegie Mellon University. And by doing this wrapping around the speech, engine, speech recognition engine, Blather is capable of running commands when someone who is running Blather speaks a certain sentence or string of words. Yeah, that pretty much sums it up. You know, when you first mentioned something, uh, I remember seeing a notice from you on Identica or, you know, our StatusNet instances or something saying just kind of in passing that you were doing something with speech recognition. And this piqued my interest immediately because speech recognition is really, really important to me because a few years ago I had... uh, issues with my wrist and I still do I, I got carpal tunnel syndrome and I actually had surgery on my left wrist to fix it and it, it's helped somewhat but I still cannot be typing all the time it, it really hurts if I do too much typing and so speech recognition has become crucial to me for any kind of dictation or anything like that like long emails documents I have to create at work or anything like that and up until you came out with Blather, I had basically, I, I had to boot into Windows to use either Dragon Naturally Speaking or to use the built-in Microsoft speech recognition program, which is actually not all that bad. I mean, the functionality is pretty good, and the same goes for Dragon Naturally Speaking, but the problem with both of them is, well, two problems. One, They both seem to bring the system to a grinding halt in terms of resources. They're real resource hogs. The other is that you're basically stuck with whatever they give you. If they say to switch applications, you have to use switch to this, switch to that, then you're stuck with that. But the the beauty of Blather is that, you know, if you know what you're doing a little bit, like, like I do for scripting and so forth, you can set up basic functionality to do all of that stuff that the other ones do except make the commands you actually want to say not the ones they tell you that you have to say and i will say that what i've seen of the videos that you've posted of you using blather that is above and beyond anything i ever dreamed of (laughs) would be done with the software that i wrote so what was what was your original vision for this thing my original vision was really a joke that I've had with my brother for maybe 10 years in that I just want to be able to come home from work, walk into my place and say, computer, 
play Black Sabbath. And then, of course, have the machine play some Black Sabbath. And this has never been something that I actually just went ahead and, 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 and did, because I never looked into speech recognition in Linux as much as I should have. I always thought it was, oh, it's sort of behind, and uh, what's currently available on, say, a Macintosh or the Windows operating system. And then I saw a tutorial on, I believe it was the GStreamer site, about using um, Pocket Sphinx from both Vela and from uh, Python. And I thought, oh, wow, that is it. That is going to let me walk into my house, say, computer, play Black Sabbath. Because I like, I like Star Trek, The Next Generation. I watch a lot of Star Trek. Mm-hmm. And they just walk into their place, say, computer, play Black Sabbath. Computer, play music. And that's what I wanted. That hands-free, I'm home, play some damn music for me. Love it. <laughs> and is, uh, is that working for you right now? I mean, the, the video that I saw, saw you post was, I believe you were making your string of LEDs do various things with voice commands. I've actually had a problem with the speech recognition picking up Sabbath. Um, and I don't call my computer computer. Computers have names. Computers are anthropomorphized like everything else I, I, I have. Everything is a, to me is a pet. Mm-hmm. My car, my motorcycle, my <laughs> computers. I don't say, hey, car, let's go to work. My car has a name. I talk to it. Um, my motorcycle has a name. I talk to it. Musical instruments have names. We talk to them. Computers have names. We talk to them as if they are a child or a pet. And so, to me, I have a home network, and that home network is who I talk to. And I say, Niauli, because my nickname of my network is Niauli. It's not the name of my network, it's the nickname of my network. And so, for me, it's Niauli, play Black Sabbath. And Sabbath doesn't get picked up properly, and I don't know why. You might be able to go into the dictionary file and tweak it a little bit. I mean, that, that's kind of granular tweaking there. I mean, you, what I do, the word blather actually, they, it has trouble picking up that word. Blather, both, um, both blather itself and the dictation tool that I use, the Google Web Speech API tool, it always thinks I'm saying blather. And so I've basically, I've got a command where I want to turn off blather. I just say kill bladder. And so, (laughs) (laughs) and I've just learned if I wanted to do something with blather, I have to say bladder. And actually one of my little um, text manipulation commands is called fix bladder. And so if I am, if I am doing dictation in one of those little Google speech windows and I have to use the word blather, it almost always, probably 80% of the time, they think I said bladder. And so um, I will give a command that says fix bladder, and it does a series of keystrokes that will select everything, copy it to the clipboard, pipe that out through stream editor, said, which will then replace all instances of the word bladder with blather and put it back on the screen. One thing I've tried doing when there's a command that is just not being recognized or picked up by uh, whatever's 
uh, whatever machine is set up to pick up and is running blather is to change the string to be more phonemic. Yes. So that instead of, uh, like, if I were saying enough, I wouldn't write E-N-O-U-G-H. I would type E-N-U-double-F mm-hmm. because um, it would be the phonemes that I want, and that would probably match up a bit better than uh, the bastard language uh, known as English. Yeah. You know, one thing I've found also with uh, this thing is that sometimes I have to speak more quickly than I think I might need to. Like, I, I will have to say the string of words fairly quickly. Really quickly. Yeah, or else it will think I've already stopped speaking and, and that it's a separate string that it's looking for. And, and right there, you need to restart Blather. Restart Blather? <laughs> yes. So I've noticed that when Blather starts, sometimes it will, as you said, uh, think you've ended your sentence even though you haven't. Or it'll think you've paused even though you haven't. So something like Niali lights on should would be Niali lights on. And that is not the way humans speak. Right. But that's the way that the Pocket Sphinx library is picking up the speech that I'm, well, speaking. It's the way it is. And I found that actually restarting it tends to put it a bit more in line with what I want it to do. Now, when you say restart, do you mean um, actually quit out of the whole thing and restart it or just check the little checkbox on and off? I mean, I mean, pretend it's a Windows machine, turn it off, turn it back on again. I don't have to do that very much, actually. I, I normally can keep it going for hours at a time and it works just fine. Well, in that case, uh, shit. <laughs> I swore on HPR! There, I, I, wondered, I, I was uh, wondering how long it would take before we got to the explicit label there, so there it is. <laughs> you know, I, I thought of starting the uh, episode with some swearing, just, you know, to keep, to keep the pace going. Yeah. And I guess it just didn't happen. Well, you know, that's all right. Um, there was something I was going to... I've lost my uh train of thought there man are you happens are are you standing out in the driveway or something no i'm sitting in my living room which is right next to one of the main thoroughfares in this little area of town okay well and so um the threshold on mumble is set just to the edge of my voice so if a car goes by it's most likely going to get picked up by mumble however the microphone that I'm using to record with Audacity might not pick up that audio, which is uh, it's a, a feature of this nice, cheap karaoke microphone. <laughs> oh, one of those things. That's funny. My daughter has a karaoke machine, and I'm, I'm looking right now at one of those little dynamic microphones like you're talking about. And yeah, those normally won't pick up stuff from much further away than two or three feet i would i would think i'm using a little clip-on condenser mic here so it'll pick up various ambiance sounds in my detached office i actually turned off one of my servers over there to try and reduce the amount of sound in the room turned off the air conditioner as well so i hope it doesn't get too hot in here yeah i would think that turning off the air conditioner in louisiana 
in summertime may not necessarily be the best idea. Well, it's certainly not a good idea during the day, but after dark, like right now, it's probably okay. I'll, I think I'll survive to the end of our conversation. <laughs> awesome. So I certainly hope that you will be posting the links to the videos that you've made of you using Blather. I have at least the the big long intro video where I've got the slides going and the picture of you and all that and the music in the beginning. And I figure from there, people can, you know, if they want to see more, they can click on related things or look at my list of videos. Did you get a chance to watch the one I made today yet? You know, I haven't. I've been driving all day long. Oh man, bummer. Yeah. Um, it's pretty amazing what I've, the, the thing I did today, um, is, I don't know, it gets it where it's almost as good as Dragon Naturally Speaking for my purposes. What I did was I created a command that will, <clears throat> whenever I say the word dictation box, it will open up a new instance of Chromium with a pixel size of 600 by 400. And it is uh, opened up as an app. So it comes up in its own little window. It just pops out a little box and I do a series of virtual mouse movements and clicks and so forth to turn on the microphone and start listening almost immediately. And so you talk and talk and talk and it uses the, the Google Web Speech API and uh, you can see your words just spitting out onto the screen as you talk. And then when you are done talking, you just say, stop talking. And that's the command that will tell it to do another virtual mouse click on the button that stops it and uh, that so that stops listening and then one more command called transfer text will copy all that and then flip back to the previous app you were in when you said dictation box and paste all the text in there and it works great I mean it, it to me it works better than the dragon naturally speaking one in terms of system performance it's very fast what it doesn't do is it doesn't allow you to do the kind of very detailed editing of text with your voice. That That's something that is not all that possible with this system. Although I do actually do quite a bit of text editing with my voice using the speech recognizer app that I, I don't remember who the guy is who made it, but it's a little add-on that you can get for Chromium. And uh, I will, if I need to work on a big block of text, I will put it in there. And then I can just select a word and then give it a, a command like um, capitalize this or make uppercase and that will make it all caps or it'll capitalize it. I can, <clears throat> I have some commands now where I can select a, what's, what is the sequence? Something like I, I select a URL and copy it to the clipboard and then I will go back to something I'm working on, let's say some HTML, and then I'll select the text in there that I want to be the link text, and then I'll give a command that says insert hyperlink. And what it will do is write out all the HTML code that you need to put in the URL, and then put the link text in between the two brackets. And uh, yeah, just it simplifies a lot of the that kind of stuff that I have to do frequently when I'm working on my syllabi for classes or doing various other things. I can't tell you how many keystrokes Blather has saved me. I mean, I mean, it must be in the hundreds of thousands by now. But um, 
Yeah. And man. that that is amazing because that was totally not my intention when I wrote the software. <laughs> I wanted to uh, do some home automation. I wanted to send commands to web APIs of machines about my house. And you've taken that and I'm going to say you totally hacked it. And that's totally awesome. That's fucking awesome is what it is. <laughs> you took something that wasn't really meant. Well, I guess it, it was meant to send commands. That's what, that's what Blather right. was meant to do. Take someone's voice convert that into a command, and run that command. My vision of it was something very simple. And you took that ball, and you fucking ran with it, and you made it this thing that is... Uh, I, I'm blown away. I'm absolutely <laughs> blown away. You know, you might have done the same thing with it if you had the problem that I have. My problem is repetitive strain injuries, repetitive stress injuries. If you were always looking for ways to reduce keystrokes the way I am you probably would have seen the same possibilities here. I immediately saw this as an accessibility tool, not as a fun tool. Now, I use it for fun, too. I've got a bunch of little scripts and commands that I use where I ask it, like, what time is it? And it will run my what time is it script, and it'll do a coin flip, like a virtual coin flip. And uh, depending on whether it gets a zero or a one, it will either tell me what time it is, or it'll give me a smart-ass remark, like, time to get a move on or, or something like that it, it chooses it chooses from a list of uh, predefined responses and it shuffles them and chooses one randomly and I've got ones where I'll ask it what's for dinner and I've got a text file that has 15 or 20 possibilities of what might be for dinner and it shuffles all those and chooses the top one and then um, a voice a, a text-to-speech engine will speak it to me and now, and that is home automation, when you have the computer speaking to you. Yeah. It's fun, too. You know, I might do a, um, an HPR episode, like a real short one, where I have a, a conversation with my computer using Mumble. And I can, <laughs> I can keep it going a pretty good while because I've got it doing all kinds of things. I can ask it, how's the weather? Um, you know, what's for dinner? How are you today? What time is it? You know, I've got all these commands. And it puts back a different response almost every time. Then I think you should go ahead and do that one. <laughs> I almost certainly will. Um, yeah, you know, I, I got to admit, when you first posted this, I had heard of Sphinx before because I'd done research on speech recognition. You know, when I realized that my problem really was not going to go away and I knew that I would have to come up with some kind of speech recognition solution i tried desperately not to have to resort to windows and so i looked into various things on linux and i found sphinx but sphinx is not something you can just use you know you gotta you needed blather you needed something to give you a way to start it and have the very complex long command that has to be run to um to use it and so I mean, that's why Blather was so important to me, because I knew about Sphinx. I just had no idea how to use it. And um, when I first saw what Blather was, and I saw the sample configuration file that said, uh, I don't know, echo this or echo that, I mean, I thought, oh my gosh, this is not going to help me at all. But then I thought about it, and I thought, you know what? I bet I can do some stuff with this. 
And so I started by figuring out how to make it switch back and forth between different windows. I already knew some of the command line tools to switch windows, the WMCTRL command I've used in scripts before, and that's really good at flipping back and forth between various windows on your desktop. And it works either in GNOME or in Openbox, which is what I'm on right now. And so once I got that going, I thought, well, you know, I can at least start applications. I can switch to them. I can quit them. And before long, I had ways to do series of keystrokes, like select all, copy, paste, you know, switch to this window, put something there. And um, once you start the ball rolling, you know, that you start seeing possibilities where other people might not see them. So uh, Blather's just been awesome to me. I was, I'm wondering whether... You know, to me, this really is a great accessibility tool. It, it makes Linux and speech recognition and dictation and all that, you know, in conjunction with the Google web speech tool. That's really, really important for the dictation part of it. But um, it makes it where I really don't think I will have to boot into Windows anymore. Now, you do have to do quite a bit of configuration, but maybe all of the stuff that I've done could serve as some kind of you know, sample configuration for someone else and you know they can use those commands or they can uh, keep the command part but change the sentence part you know to suit them and uh, that's the to me that one of the greatest things about blather is just the fact that i get to tell it what i want to say for something to happen it, it's really um i find that when i did boot into windows after having used blather for a while i got so annoyed that i couldn't make it do what i wanted to i had to make it do what they said that I could make it do. <laughs> does that make sense? It, it absolutely does make sense. And I may attribute that to vernacular, such that in Redmond, Washington, people may speak a certain way and they would expect to speak to their computer in a certain way. And they would expect someone in another part of the world to speak to their computer the same way that people in Redmond, Washington speak to their computer. And you're saying that Blather allows you to speak the way you speak to your machines. Exactly. And it's not that the, what they, the, the commands they have, say, for desktop uh, navigation are not sensible. They are. I mean, they, to switch between one window and another, you have to say, you know, switch to Firefox, switch to Thunderbird. But it, it's not the easiest thing to say, the switch to, itch to, itch to. I mean, it, it's a very strange sound and it gets cumbersome i instead of doing that i say go to thunderbird go to firefox go to chromium go to hey buddy and to me that's much easier to say and it works perfectly and you're okay with using the two and the reason i ask is i was having problems controlling my lights and i'd say uh lights fade to blue would be the command. But I found myself saying lights fade blue all the time, and I was wondering why the command wouldn't run, and then I realized that's not the command that I have, <laughs> and I've just been s sort of shortening it for speed reasons. Yeah. Most of the time when you have the word to, T-O, in one of these commands, you have to say it very fast. Like if, if I say, go to Hey Buddy, that's basically how I have to say it. Go to Hey Buddy, go to Thunderbird. You don't say go to this, go to that, because it won't recognize it. It'll it'll think you said the word TWO or something. And it also doesn't handle pauses. And that's one problem that I have 
with my anthropomorphized household and network in that the first thing I say is the name of the device I'm talking to, and then I will pause and give it a command. Yeah. So instead of saying, well, more naturally, I would say, Niaoli, lights fade red, which should fade, well, actually, it would do nothing because it's Niaoli, lights fade to red. But that space between Niaoli and fade is going to be recognized as an end of a sentence. Yeah, that doesn't work. And so... In the unnatural way, I would have to say, Niali lights fade to red. See, and I find that very unnatural. And one of the problems that you're going to have with that is, Niali is not the easiest thing to say. <laughs> uh, actually, for me, it flows pretty well, and it gets picked up very easily from all of the devices I use that are running Blather, oh, including okay. my Nokia N900 running the sweet, sweet Linux MAMO operating system. <laughs> nice. Yeah, it's awesome, and I still use it, and a lot of people still do. I had to get that, get put that one in there. I wish I had one of those things, man. Uh, it, it, seeing you run these, like, what, you run, like, Qt apps or GTK apps or something on it, you can run Python things on it, isn't that right? Oh, yeah, I've run uh, um, GTK apps written in Python or Vela. I'll run Qt apps written using PySide, which is... Python for QT. Um, I'm running Blather on it. That's and awesome. Blather has a UI for both QT and for GTK, and I could use either of those. Yeah, that's awesome. I, that would be so cool. Uh, you could probably find one at the Goodwill for about 10 bucks because you're John. <laughs> you can do that. I will certainly keep my eye out for it. Hey, have you... Um, one of the, the cool tricks that I figured out um, in launching Mumble is uh setting environment variables in the launching uh, script. Hold on, timeout, timeout. Yo. Blather, not mumble. Sorry, blather. My bad. Two com- two completely different voice um applications. Oh, you're right about with, that. With a very generic name um regarding voice. My bad. I I or totally speech. didn't catch that. But yeah, so um when I'm starting up blather, I have to use a script because I have to set the gstreamer library location. And at first, that was the only environment variable I, I set in there. But then I pretty soon realized that I could clean up my commands file quite a bit by setting some of the very frequently used long commands as an environment variable in there. And so I do that with the xvkbd command, where you have to have a whole string of options after it. Um, so my environment variable key press equals like xvkbd space hyphen... Uh, secure space hyphen hyphen tech you know all these things and also i use it to set my text-to-speech engine currently set at you'll be glad to hear with um the arctic voice in what's it festival beautiful voice yeah. beautiful voice not, you know she doesn't pronounce stuff right a lot of the times but it's a beautiful voice yeah like my name i know <laughs> eSpeak will pronounce your name right every time eSpeak will pronounce my name right every time. eSpeak is also good for low-end machines like the Raspberry Pi. Yeah. However, I still prefer the voice of Festival. It sounds more like uh, the computer on Star Trek. I guess you're right there. It's a really nice voice. I'm not going to argue with you there. and I'm using it right now because lately eSpeak has... 
Like, it'll work for a while, and then it'll deteriorate into a bunch of staticky buzzes. And I really don't know why. Something to do with um, Pulse Audio or something? I'm really not sure what happens. But it doesn't happen with festivals, so I just switched to that. But some of my computers... What I do is when I change my commands file, I have a script that not only will update the dictionary and all that stuff, but it also r-syncs with files on two different remote computers. And those, like one in my daughter's room and one in my office at work. And those computers don't necessarily have Festival Voice installed. And so that's why originally in my configuration file or my commands file, I had Festival or eSpeak written in the command itself. But then as soon as I sync that commands file up with my work computer, it didn't work anymore because that one didn't have Festival. So that's when I got the idea to set the voice an environment variable and so I can have a different one on this computer than I do at work and just in the commands file just have the inver that's you know, dollar sign voice I pipe it through that and then whatever is set as the voice will be used uh, when the command is run that works much much better for syncing the same command set over multiple computers now when I use text-to-speech I write a script called uh, speak strength and then I just simply run speak string and then all of the other words that follow it are the string and that's what gets spoken. And in speak string, the script, I will decide, okay, well on this machine I'm going to use festival and then on this machine I'm going to use eSpeak. Mm -hmm. And that way when I'm sending the command, I can just say, oh, when this happens, eSpeak, or when this, when some some command is issued, run speak string followed by this series of, of words. And then it's up to the machine itself, or actually me as the programmer on the machine, to say, okay, well, this script is run, use eSpeak. So if I'm on the Raspberry Pi, I'm going to use eSpeak. If I'm on a machine that's nice, I'll use Festival. Okay. <clears throat> so do you, in the script, does it check the host name or something to decide, like, if host name equals this, then uh, voice equals that? Or how do you do it? Oh no, it's it's uh it's just a bash script. Right. Speak string. And then in the in the script itself is um use it it will be the command either using eSpeak to speak the string that is the input or festival. Okay. And so if I don't have that script on a machine, then I obviously have to just create it or I will get some sort of error that hmm. there's no script of, oh, okay. of that name. Okay. Yeah, uh, that's the sort of problem that drove me to use the environment variable for choosing the voice. Because I actually rsync up my entire .config slash blather directory with um, different computers. And so when I add a new text file that has like a bunch of uh, responses, like... If my son asks me, what can we do, I'm bored, I can give the command, what can we do, I'm bored, and it will choose from a list of 10 things. Now, if I add something to my list and I do my update uh, blather command, it will you know, sync up that data file to all the computers that I have. And so my work computer can do all the same commands that this one can, but it'll use a different voice when I uh, run the command. Jezra, you there? 
I'm still here. <laughs> I don't know if we dropped out or what. <laughs> oh, no, that's what in uh, radio is referred to as the awkward silence or, was it Dead Space? <clears throat> dead Air, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Dead Air. That's nice, well, you know, I I'm, like that. I'm not really a podcaster. Okay. Nor an oddcaster. And being able to fill in that that space can be interesting yeah well this has never been a problem for me you know i'm trained as a historical musicologist and i'm a professor and so i make my living by blathering on about all kinds of stuff and my students are probably more than happy when i shut up at the end of the class period (laughs) oh and for people who don't know blather means incoherent babble right pretty much what my students think when i speak to them i'm sure well yeah you're your students all get an F. Right. I know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're very keen on failing all of my students. <laughs> well, it's not my fault they're doing a shitty job being <laughs> shitty students and getting bad grades. Boy, you're you're just brutal now. Yes, I am. <laughs> um Well, do do we have anything else to talk about with respect to Blather? How I mean, how would you suggest people get started with it Uh, i would say anyone interested in using blather should go to the gitorious code repository for blather uh offhand i have no idea what it is i think it's probably gitorious slash blather i i've already put a link in the show notes for that oh awesome yeah i've got a link to your site to the gitorious site to the sphinx site to the uh, LM tool on the CMU Sphinx site. Got all kinds of links up there and a link to my video. Um, one of the things I've found about making podcasts for HPR is that I, I'm much more likely to go through with it and finish it if I make the show notes first before I do any of the recording. Because the recording is kind of the fun part and the show notes is kind of the tedious part. And so before we did this interview here, I spent the last couple of days putting together show notes and so it's pretty much ready. But uh, yeah, one, Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, one of the links is to the code, and so you can download that. I put together a list of dependencies for, um, I think they must be the Debian packages. And it, it, it's not the easiest thing to get going. They, there's no single package to install to make Blather work. You do have to work at it a little bit, uh, especially the Vader component on Debian can be a little problematic. There's the, the libgstreamer pocket sphinx library. I don't remember what it's called, but on a couple of machines where I've installed Blather, I've had a little bit of a hard time getting it to find the pocket sphinx gstreamer libraries. But um, hmm. I wrote a little blog post on that problem, and so maybe that will help out. Well, if you have a blog post to the to the solution to the problem, you should definitely put a link to that in the show notes because anyone interested in running it on Debian is going to need to know how to install it, or especially if it's if it's an issue. Otherwise, it's usually when I write code, it's oh, go get the code and blah blah. <laughs> Don't ask me how to install it. I just want to write code. Well, I'm glad that I the first machine I tried it on was Arch because Arch by default seems to install much more uh, like many more libraries than Debian does, like all the development libraries and stuff like that. And on Arch it 
it almost just worked when I started out. On Debian, I had to work a little harder, but it is possible. And I have on my Pastebin site, I think I have it on there, a list of all the dependencies that I'm pretty sure you need to make uh, to make Blather work. And so maybe I should link to that as well. I guess people could just poke around my Pastebin site and say, I've got like, many iterations of my commands file there too. Uh, so there are tons of examples of different kinds of commands you can use. And um, some of them are essentially scripts that are written out in one great big long line. If the scripts get too complicated, then I will save them in a special scripts directory. But um, if they're not too complicated, I like to keep them in the config files so that way I can share it with people a little easier. And I'd, I'd like to say, when you first asked me about doing a recording about Blather, all I could think was, man, I just wanted to listen to Black Sabbath and turn my lights on and off. <laughs> That's it. Well, uh in reality, what you've done is create, for me, what's probably the most important tool on my desktop now. Because it allows me to be so productive without having to use Windows. And so, i I got to thank you for that, man. Seems like m oh. most of the code I run on my machine is yours. Like, I use HeyBuddy for all of my uh, social networking. I use MuttonChop to play music. I use SAP to play audio. Um, and now... The, the mother of them all is Blather for me. I mean, it's it's so important to me, you can't even imagine. If it went away right now, I think I would get down and cry. Like, I would be so upset if I couldn't use Blather anymore. <laughs> well, one, it's on a public repository. Two, it's GPLv3. There. Three, um, I'm deleting it as we speak. Oh, you rotten bastard. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, on that note, maybe we should uh, call it quits for this episode. We're up to more than 35 minutes here. But, uh, All righty. Um, uh, well, then, uh, hey, HPR listeners, thanks for listening. And anyone who has the – oh, can I just oh, – sorry. Um, one thing I need to say to the HPR listeners, this is a question. If you have a copy of the sheet music – to the HPR theme song. Don't give it to Jezret. Don't 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 do it because he's going to play it on bagpipes. Give it to me. I want it. <laughs> if you have it in in Lily Pond or in MXL or any digital format, send it to me. Don't please. don't do it because he's going to put it on bagpipes and then he's going to make us listen to it. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Jezra, Maybe. I can't thank you enough for talking to me and especially for writing Blather. Uh, you are the man. Oh, you're making me blush. Luckily, I got sideburns that hides that sort of thing. <laughs> very cool. All right, man. You're very welcome. I will talk to you later. See you online, man. All righty. Take care, buddy. Okay, bye. You have been listening to Hacker Public Radio at hackerpublicradio.org. We are a community podcast network that releases shows every weekday, Monday through Friday. Today's show, like all our shows, was contributed by a HBR listener like yourself. If you ever considered recording a podcast, then visit our website to find out how easy it really is. Hacker Public Radio was founded by the Digital Dog Pound and the Infonomicon Computer Club. 
HBR is funded by the Binary Revolution at binref.com. All Binref projects are proudly sponsored by Lunar Pages. From shared hosting to custom private clouds, go to lunarpages.com for all your hosting needs. Unless otherwise stated, today's show is released under a Creative Commons Attribution Share Alike 3.0 license.